That's where I'm working. Uh, Good morning, everyone. I'll come back. Yeah, I'm not not that much work. Hi. Can you hear me? Oh, you got Good morning and welcome to Medical Grand Rounds. Hello, everyone. Hmm? Is it on? It looks like it's on. Oh, you have to do that. There we go. Good morning and welcome to Medical Grand Rounds. We are delighted to have Dr. Phillips here and he'll be introduced in a moment by Dr. Sam Lee. In order to get your CME credit for today, you need to text the XP9T. XP9T is the code for today and we are going to hear about lifestyle medicine. Uh, to introduce Dr. Phillips to us today is Sam Lee. He is a professor of medicine and he is our Chief of Medicine at the VA Medical Center and our department's Vice Chair for VA Affairs. Sam, come tell us about today's Grand Round speaker. Thank you very much. Um, good morning. Dr. Edward Phillips is an Assistant Professor of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. He's the founder and director of the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine at Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital. He completed his undergraduate degree at Yale University, his MD at uh, SUNY Buffalo, uh, completed internship at SUNY Buffalo, and then residency in physical medicine and rehab at Columbia University, completing in 1992. He's held faculty appointments at Columbia, Mount Sinai, Albert Einstein, and in 1995 joined the faculty at Harvard as an instructor and has been promoted to assistant professor in 2006. He joined the VA Boston Healthcare System in 2015 and in 2019 was named the Whole Health Medical Director at VA Boston Healthcare System. He's the site PI for a VA uh, research gr uh, training grant um, and he is authored over 75 scientific publications and is in charge of rolling out whole health medicine for all the trainees throughout the VA system. And it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Phillips. Thank, Thank you. you. Ah, hold on a second. Ellen. This one. Mm -hmm. Intro. Mm -hmm. Start show. Uh, you there you go. I passed the first test. Good. Um, <laughs> the, the rest of my uh, biography, which I, I just wanted to. Uh, say is that um, like when I, my wife went to Dartmouth and passed away eighty five, right. and, and uh, it's like they do when they see her. And and um, I've been up here so many times that I feel like I went to Dartmouth, and and I read the Dartmouth alumni magazine, bam, and, and they have this thing where it's like you know Dartmouth eighty five, and then if you have if you're a parent it says like P twenty two, so I'm going to put down like S eighty five, like I'm a spouse of eighty five. Um, so it's it's um, it's a very familiar um, place for me to um, to come up here. This is who I am. This is, um, and I'm going to share with you also um, sort of like where how I've evolved in medicine. Back in SUNY Buffalo, uh, we had a really strong rehab or physical medicine rehab department, and that's the field that I went into when I realized that I could actually watch people walk for a living, and instruct them on exercise, and have people come to me saying. What's your problem? And they suppose mile seven, mile seven of the marathon, my, my hamstring starts to pull up. And it's like, all right, I, I can handle this. We also take care of other issues um, way beyond that. Um, and then along the way, I'll just give you where my thinking came in. Um, I got very involved with the mental health end of medicine, even though I'm not a specialist. I worked at McLean for 18 years, psychiatric hospital. I, I was imbued with the the mental health side, and, the, and my wife, remember the Dartmouth 85 person? I met her in medical school. She is now a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst. So I come home, come home at night, and I tell her about what I saw, and then she just, like, explains what I should have said. Um, um, and that, that's not just about my professional life. Um, so let me give you my, um, my sort of take. I'm going to get up on a soapbox. And then we'll, we'll start coming down to getting down to actually your personal behavior. So if you look at collectively the people in this room, even though I know that you chose to live in the, the Upper Valley and you're all, you know, prim and, and, and active, but if you look at your patients, look at your loved ones, 
effectively, we're going to die too soon. Premature mortality defined as dying before age 70. And, the, and why is that? Well, in red are the behaviors. And yes, obesity is a disease. It's not a behavior, but uh, we'll put that on the list there. If you just eliminate, if you just account for those, more than half of all cause mortality is accounted for, nearly half of um, cancers and a closer fit with cardiovascular. And for those that want to geek out a little bit, we can go to the CDC and start reading their facts and figures of seven of the top 10 causes of death or chronic diseases. This is probably not going to be news to you, but I thought I'd give you the slides here. So we're going to die too soon. While we're busy dying, we're going to be sicker than we need to be. 70% um, of cardiovascular disease, according to Dan Foreman, can be prevented or delayed um, if you just change your, what you're eating and how active you are. And I started quoting the second one about 15 years ago. I don't I've got to come up with a new thing, but we're finally here. 2020, two-thirds of all disease worldwide lifestyle-related. We have exported our lifestyles. We've exported our cigarettes. Um, this whole venture in lifestyle medicine started with a trip to India in 2006, and they talked about how stressed out they were. So I sat there with a table of Indian doctors, and I thought, got an idea for you guys. Yoga. <laughs> and they, they looked at me and they go, no, no, doctor. they call me Dr. Eddie there. Dr. Eddie, you don't understand. We export yoga like we import stress. Um, and, 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 then they said, and then they looked, they pointed at me and they go, and you Americans, you're good at it. Like you've been stressed out for like, you know, 200 years. And we're like, we've been thrown into the 21st century and we don't know what to do. And, and so this is, so this is a global issue. CDC supports this. Um, uh, with, with behaviors that people are not uh, getting, people are not eating enough fruits, they're not eating enough vegetables. We're going to find out about this audience. Um, cigarette smoking had been coming down until we got to the, the vaping crisis. Um, and while we're dying too soon and, and, getting, and being too sick, we're also spending too much money. I mean, if it were cheap to die and be sick, like no one would be that concerned. Three and a half trillion, if you start talking about what's going on, we're going up to five trillion dollars on health care. Um, and most of it, 78% here, is for chronic disease. Chronic disease is not synonymous with lifestyle, but it's pretty damn close. So for argument's sake, we're spending most of our money, trillions of dollars, taking care of completely preventable illnesses. And we've got the, some old data here. Here they're quoting 86% of all healthcare spending 10 years ago was for uh, people with one or more chronic conditions, and more than half the population has a chronic condition. Um, I'm going to read through all of these, but they're kind of fun little factoids. Um, so where to start? You know, what defines how healthy you and your patients are? Socio and, social and economic factors. That's your zip code. Your zip code is more important than, as you've heard, than your genetic code. And health behaviors, which I'm going to focus on today, is, is down here. That's a, that's a bunch of them. We're already up to 70%. You want to blame your mom and dad? Lovely. Go talk to your therapist, blame them, but it's only like 10%. And even if you talked about the genes that you were given, um, we, could, we could talk about epigenetics and the expression of those genes that, that rely upon your behaviors. Like this one, I have to keep on saying, so then I'll finally do it. If I just sat down and breathed for 10 minutes, rhythmic breathing twice per day, I could lengthen my telomeres. Actually, it's not just me. Any of us could lengthen our telomeres, which is now like a, a definition of, of uh, reversing aging, so to speak, or uh, our telomeres shorten as we, as we age. I just have to sit down and do it. We'll, I've got some other challenges we'll, um, I'll share with you. Um, we collectively are employed in a healthcare system. It's large. It's remunerative to those people that are in it. It's, it takes care of 10% of the issue. So let's be a little bit humble here. That's not a good tip even. Okay? And then we can argue about, you know, within it, you know, like who's going to pay for it. And, and but we're missing kind of the, the big picture here. Um, and so why do we focus on that? Um, we can get into the politics of it, but I'm going to skip that. So then we'd say, if we looked at, well, what's the outcome of it? So we're spending three and a half trillion. So we're about, you know, are we living longer? So this is a little bit dated, or it's not complete. Um, if you wish to live in a place where you're going to live longer, statistically, a country of the world, 
you'd have 36 choices other than the United States in which you'd live longer. So this isn't even all of them, okay? If you want to find a place where you're going to spend more money on health care, you would have to, you can't go anywhere. I mean, we, we spend all of this money on health care, and our life expectancy is actually less than 36 other countries. Just go to Cuba. My God, for like 500 bucks, you could live longer <laughs> instead of the 4,500 that, that we're spending according to this. So something is amiss. We're, the, the system's not working for us. Is this news to anyone here? Shout out to Augusta. Anyone like shocked by what I'm talking about? Where else are they? Cal Pacific? If you're up in San Francisco, you know, is there anyone shocked by this? Does anyone here follow the Joint National Commission, JNC, to take care of their the blood pressure and their patients? We can go into all the details of the, you know, which medication to use first, and if you're African-American, do this and that. But let me, that first box up there, Paulina, can you read that tiny little box up there? Implement lifestyle. Oh, my God, she's reading that one. This is for everyone else who's following more. I put it in big red letters here. I'm sorry, read it, sorry. Implement lifestyle interventions. And continue throughout management. Why do we skip over that? I'm not sure how to do it. We don't know how to do it. We haven't trained anyone on how to do it, and that's actually my job nationally at the VA, which is to roll out lifestyle and whole health to 122,000 people. Are there any trainees in the audience? I'm going to see them this time. Oh, good. Uh, so just write your names down because I have to account for 122,000 people. So <laughs> I'm down to I've got another five of them. Um, the trainees always seem to sit in the back because that way less chance of me calling on you. Um, so this is for blood pressure. I just pulled these up for um, diabetes. This is from an article and. Um, you know, like, what, might you use lifestyle at every level as you go through and treat people? Yes, use the metformin. Um, yes, you know, add the insulin. But what about lifestyle? And even from the same article, and this is just as an illustration up at the top here, no matter what their A1C, you're going to have to do lifestyle modification. If only we knew how to do it. If only, right? You know, what, what would it take for us to be better at that? and to actually that to become a part of medicine and what might we, what the result might be from that. Um, when you come in to see the doctor or they come in to see you, we tend to focus on just above the waterline there. We tend to talk about the physical, you know, what, you know, what is Rich you know, coming in for today? How is he feeling? How is his knee? Um, you know, are there a few other things that influence his lifestyle? How he thinks about himself, his culture, which we're not always familiar with, his emotions. What's his meaning and purpose? I've got them. You got, you got them? I've got some. Yeah. Your house is good. All right. Well, we might give you the microphone in a minute. Um, what, you know, what, values, what values do you hold and how might that influence what you do? And how many of us take the 30 seconds to start to ask our patients about what's your meaning, what's your aspiration, what's your purpose? Are you saying yes, you do? And how does that work for you? It's totally the, my role response. It's my job. It's your job. We're, we're palliative care. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so could we do it a little bit earlier, though? Just in Again? We're trying to upstream. We're gonna. I just. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I think that palliative care should start like at birth. I mean, we, you know, like so. So what? What? What could you teach us about what you find out in those sometimes last days, months, you know, a couple of years? Right. The people's goals and values and the meaning and purpose that drive their lives, that have driven their life story, uh, basically set the foundation for the recommendations that we make regarding the treatments that are most likely to align with those values and meet their goals. Yeah. The rest is commentary. <laughs> um, you know, and, and are people then, you know, perhaps driven to, to do something that they had been meaning to do for whatever number of years they, they've been here. So, so, you know, we want to basically move it upstream. Um, and we, you know, and, and this is a slide for, that we use at the VA. What if we targeted, like palliative care uses, um, what if we actually targeted, like, tell me your life story? And there's a beautiful uh, process that we have that you can use uh, inside or outside the VA where we're trainees and others go and actually elicit my life, my story from the veterans and write it down, and it goes into the medical record. 
And then others of us can read that story before I take care of the patient so I know something about them. That story sometimes <coughs> the patient takes and, and has never told their story about their experience in Vietnam, et cetera. And then they, their family's like, whoa, dad, you know, you, you never talked about this. And beautifully, some of these stories are, are read as eulogies. Um, the, um, so how much RV uses that? How much what? RV uses that. How, how many RV uses that? Um, none. <laughs> uh, although it should be, you should get like ten, you know, just for just for asking about their someone's life story. But it takes a, a few, you know, it takes a, a two-hour process of listening and writing the story. It takes about two minutes to read it. They're only like six or nine hundred words. But then you walk in, and all of a sudden, it's not like you know the amputee in room six. It's you know it's it's not, you know it's Mr. Lee, and Mr. Lee got a story, you know, and he's got he's got and he shared it with us. So let's keep on going here. So this is the top of my soapbox. We there's an evolving model of health and, and wellness needs to be initiated immediately. Again, the problem is that this slide is like 15 years old. So I've been you know kind of like talking about this. The paradigm has to train all of you at any stage of your of your career and also incentivize you properly. I always I learned how to spell the word incentivize in grade school. It's got money in the middle, it's got a little cent in there, but you know what what would it take? Part of what got me to the VA was the idea that all right, they're gonna pay me a salary, but at least I'm gonna be rewarded for doing the, the, this kind of work rather than wondering whether asking someone's mission, aspiration, and purpose in private practice, do I have enough time to, um, to do that. Um, the existing model of care is no longer viable. Anyone want to debate this? You know, is it, is it leading to the burnout that we see across the country? Is it leading to you know, poor care, poor, poor outcomes? And I'll, I'll propose that lifestyle medicine or that, uh, is, is a, just to drive all the way up here and talk about that there's a problem with not be really satisfying. So let's let's propose the, uh, the solution. So let me talk about lifestyle medicine as the best strategy to address the health behaviors and also change the, the system. Uh, back 10 years ago, I was on the writing panel that published in JAMA, and we had to define lifestyle medicine. So we started with the idea that it's evidence-based. So this is not about complementary alternatives. This is about, you know, how do we take the you know, tens of thousands of articles that say that exercise is all thumbs up, ready, is good, that smoking is bad. How do we translate that into practice? This is now called implementation science or translational work. You know, like we, we know what should happen. We know what our, the population is doing. There's a gap. How do we get them to do it? Um, the big word that I push through is when you're on a committee, you only have, like, so many words to push through, and the word sustained was the one that I just said, like, it, it's relatively easy to quit smoking. The stay quit part. New Year's is coming. Everyone's going to be doing a little bit more in the gym. Talk to me on February 1st. You know, the big January is tourist season at the health clubs. I can't get my yoga mat. My, my spin bike is gone. My parking spot is gone. But I just I, I do a little serenity prayer. And I go, they'll be gone soon. Um, and I'll, I'll be back to you know, just uh, you know, getting my spot. Uh, five years later, we re-examined the literature, and the big highlight that we redefined lifestyle medicine was the idea that it's not just prevention. It's not just in the past tense. Like, if only you told me not to smoke and drink and, and, and be inactive, I wouldn't be in this situation, Doc. And it's like, well, there's still time. We can actually talk about reversing illness. Um, we can talk about treating with lifestyle. So there's, uh, we avoid the cure word. So if, if you take a patient whose um, uh, diabetes or their A1C is high and through lifestyle they get it, they normalize it and they get off medication, they still have diabetes, it's just in remission. Um, this is uh, graphics from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and they, their definition fits with this. And they look at six major areas, and we'll just sort of fly through them. Um, sleep, or lack, you know, lack thereof, um, is, uh, strains your immune system, leads to chronic disease. Um, anyone guilty as charged here? <laughs> um, exercise, regular, consistent physical activity. That's actually the buzzword you want to use because a lot of people have a negative connotation with the word exercise. 
And it could be anything from gardening, push-ups, lunges, whatever the patient's going to do, that's what they should do because they're going to, that's what they're going to do regardless of what you say to them. Working our way around the circle, we know that tobacco is bad. I think we're going to have to, um, well, at least it says tobacco and not smoking. Um, uh, but there's, there's plenty of ways to help people. Uh, stress management. You're not trying to eliminate stress. Just, that should be stressful if there were no, no stress. It, you need to have the, the right balance. Uh, but too much stress leads to anxiety, depression, obesity, immune dysfunction, poor health outcomes. Um, so how do we become more stress resilient? Of course, when you talk to a bunch of doctors, they're like, I'm pretty damn resilient already. Just mm -hmm. fix the system, which is the greater cause of um, two-thirds of, of burnout. Um, relationships. This one is sort of like a newcomer to the set, but it turns out, as I try to explain to my kids, this was the original FaceTime. <laughs> you know, like I'm looking at this guy, and, and, and he's, he's looking back, and the eyes are shifting and all of that. Uh, but, you know, having, having relationships, even these micro-relationships, and what a privilege is, is it, it is that as a, in the role as a clinician that you actually get to, like, look at your patients, hopefully. Sorry. Um, <laughs> go on. You know, you know, but if you actually stop and look, that, that you're going to have, you know, some sort of reverberation with them. Um, in my, I keep on referencing my wife, in her world, as a psychoanalyst, she could go through like almost like a, a meditative day of just being like zoned in with her patients, you know, because there's no phone, there's no computer, and she, she scribbles madly as, as they talk, but she has to like sort of like, as a, as a rule, like resonate with the patients, otherwise she's not good at what she does, like, how cool is that, you know, and then and, and, and often comes back enlivened by the day rather than, you know, even though people are bringing her bad things, and they're talking about it. Nutrition. Um, whole food, plant-based, uh, fiber-rich, nutrient-dense. You know, we can, we can argue about, and there's a lot of emotions about what to eat, what not to eat, but the, the choices are getting much easier. Um, you, you can go into the restaurant and, and, and follow the little symbols, you know, whether you're trying to avoid gluten or you want something vegan or, or you're just trying to... Um, we, we know what to eat. Um, we just tend to eat too much of what we have. Um, so uh, a few suppositions so far. Um, we, we nailed the first one, that lifestyle is the root cause. There is a potency to physician counseling for those non-physicians listening. The literature just focuses on physicians. And yet we don't counsel enough, or we don't know how to uh, counsel properly. So it turns out that going like this, Eat more, sorry, sorry, eat, eat less, you know, exercise more is not a proper motivational tool. Um, and again, it's because of lack of training. Uh, the world of lifestyle medicine is becoming a big thing. The journal has been out since 2007. We just published uh, the third edition. Uh, Jim Rippey put together this massive volume of lifestyle medicine. Hello, Doug Dorsey from the, uh, the VA uh, right across the river here. Uh, just published recently, Lifestyle Psychiatry, in which he, and I heard him speak, and I'm going over there um, for the rest of the day. Um, so it's going to different fields. American College of Lifestyle Medicine uh, is one of the fastest growing medical societies on the planet. Members here include Karen and, and Paulina. Um, you can, anyone can join. Something like 50 to 100 people a month are joining. Um, and it's gone global in terms of life. Not the, the disease was already global, but the lifestyle medicine um, uh, associations are, 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 are global. There's also an American board of lifestyle medicine. You could become board certified in lifestyle medicine. Polina, you are. Karen, um, you, can, you can join. You can um, become board certified. It's somewhat akin right now. We're, we're sort of uh, uh, drafting on the American Board of Obesity Medicine. It's not yet... That the American Board of Medical Specialties approved, we're working towards it. And if you're interested in that, we'll talk off stage. This is what you see when you're at the VA. There's the, these are the behaviors that we talked about. There's, if you're counting, there's eight circles rather than six that we talked about. We add in spirituality. There's a large chaplaincy within the VA, and we have come to understand that spirituality may be uh, an area of strength or an area of challenge, obviously, 
Uh, and then a power of the mind is, is sort of uh, thrown in for personal development. What are you doing to advance yourselves, your career, your life? And when we hand this to the patients, and this is available beyond the VA. This all, the work came out of the University of Wisconsin. Um, so it's used beyond the VA. It's not veteran-centric. It, it works. But when we show this metrics, this people, we sort of like watch their eyes go around the circle and see where they land. Right? And, 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 then, and then there's a process of asking, you know, where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Let's, let's work on your strengths. If you're all about relationships, maybe that's what's going to get you exercising because you could go with Paulina. And, and, you know, like, you get it, you know, other people, it's all about spirituality. So then I talk about, you know, how do you get to church? Like, you walk, you know. Um, so you, you start doing that. I'll just tell what, you know, if you show a graphic to enough people, you'll get every, you'll, you'll hear more and more responses. I showed it to one young vet recently. He looked back at me and he sort of smiled. He goes, a barrel of a gun. I'm like, oh, Jesus. ooh, just walked into this one. But I thought, like, you know, I said, like, uh, go on. And, and, and I'm like, my, my heart's you know, like, oh, my God, all the suicide training that I've gone through, you know. And I go, so, you know, go on. What do you see? He goes, he said, I'm going into battle. I said, I want every chamber filled. He said, and I'm, and I'm, I, and I'm not good with the family, friends, and coworkers. I'm like, oh, so we want to fill that chamber. He goes, yeah. All right, what are you, you going to do there? But, like, my skin went like, ooh. Um, so I don't think it was designed to look like a barrel of a gun, but if that's what you see, um, then, then we'll do that. Um, if I had to summarize everything that I've learned the last few years, first off, most individuals have multiple lifestyle goals. And you, you sort of meet them where they are. Your agenda, okay, is lovely. Okay, and if you get all jazzed up from this talk or you do some culinary medicine, and you're like, you, all you have to do is chop vegetables and you'll be healthy forever, which is true. Um, it's not that important compared to what the patient wants to do. Okay? The patient-driven agenda, this is beyond patient-centered. They're in charge. Um, I was uh, educated at the uh, tip of my father's finger. Okay? Um, he, uh, I'll give him credit for asking open-ended questions of me as I was growing up and I did something that wasn't optimal, okay? And he would ask in an open-ended question, what's the matter with you? <laughs> and it requires a, a response more than just like, I don't know that. Um, so, you know, what's the matter with you is what we tend to ask in medicine. Okay, what if we flipped it around to what matters to you? After you ask that question, you have to go like this. That was a long therapeutic pause, at least for me, because um, I just want to jump in and tell them what, what matters to them. But, you know, just like, you know, what matters to you is much more important than, you know, what's the matter with you. What changes are you willing to make to reach your goals? If what matters to you is your, is your granddaughter and you want to be able to, like, go, go with her to the park, or here's a good one, you want to dance at your grandchild's wedding, do the math. Okay, I'm talking about my family. My, my father achieved that. You know, he granted answered his granddaughter's wedding. What's getting in the way from doing that? My back hurts. My knees hurt. My, you know, the, the diabetes is, is screwing up my sensation. You know, what changes are you willing to make to reach that? That's much more compelling than there's a new article that says that, you know, if you just meditate, your telomeres will be longer like um, Where would you like to get started? People are willing to start someplace. You just have to find out where it is. And if, and if they get, like, a little bit of progress, then that tends to feed other things. So you can set a simple goal tonight, like going to bed 15 minutes earlier, and after you do that for a little while and feel better, that may actually encourage you to do other goals. Um, let's do a little poll of this. The Lifeful audience and those people that are listening in from Augusta or wherever, um, and we're going to get into that, but self-care does matter. It matters to put on your own oxygen mask first. Um, we'll just do this like a clap here, okay? If any of these describe you, just give a clap, and I'll read through them. Are you, would you describe yourself as analytic? Hardworking. High perceived parental expectations. <laughs> oh, Focused and resilient. Delayed gratification. I had one student who heard this. He goes, 
I have a PhD in delayed gratification. <laughs> have, have you felt like training or your career has squashed your emotions? Life. All right. Fear of being perceived as a slacker. Okay. The, um, the, the title of this article I'll have to read, If I Work Harder, I Will Be Loved. Uh, roots of Physician Stress Explored. So this is who we are. Okay. It's what got you here. Is it going to get you there? Um, devaluing your own self-care. Okay, we could do another game. I don't have a lot of time here, but has anyone here ever shown up on rounds with a fever? Okay, should we start playing how high was your fever and, you know, we want to get to, you know, 103? Like, I had an attending in medical school, an OBGYN, who was like, she admitted herself for her delivery. Oh. I mean, she was like, she was contracting and writing up her own admission. It was like, just lie down and let someone else take care of you. Um, you know, th this, um, there's a correlation between what you do and what you say. Those in the room here who lift weights will talk about like to run, will ask their patients to run. And those who are overweight will not diagnose obesity, which is a sad fact. Those who smoke will not tell their patients to quit smoking. Um, this one, this quick study, they correlated physicians and their patients in the Israeli medical system, in which the physicians were part of the same system. It was about preventive um, uh, health strategies or health, health things. And they very cleverly looked and they said, you know, did, did Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Heike, is that how you say it? Um, Dr. Heike, did she, did she get her mammogram? Because if she did, there was a higher percentage chance that her patients would. This is purely correlation, okay? Did Dr. Phillips get his colonoscopy? It sucks, at least the preparation. You know, like, but if I manage to do it, I'm more likely to say to you, like, man up. It's time for you to, to get yours. So choose healthier doctors for yourself because you're going to get better. You're going to get better advice. So they just did a nice little correlation there. Another little poll of the audience. I'm going to have everyone stand up. This would be on your feet. If you can't stand, just put your hands up in the air. Okay. When you see a behavior that describes you, please sit down. If you admit to using tobacco product smoking, please sit down. Let's just pause here for a minute. 20, 25 years ago, how many of you have sat down? You know, how, how much, you know, how much of, you know, how, how much did my clothes reek after I left the psych unit, you know, as a medical student? So use products, uh, and, and 60 years ago, you would have gotten paid to advertise cigarettes as, as a doctor. Are you drinking more than one drink per day on average? They sit down. Are you eating less than five fruits and vegetables per day on average? Um, I, I, showed, I showed these, you know, I've used these slides before, as you can imagine. So someone who sat down after the alcohol said, can I stand up? Um, physical activity less than 150 minutes per week. Please sit down. That's moderate intensity physical activity, like brisk walk. Are you getting six to seven restful hours of sleep per night? Every night. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll give you one night of short sleep. Two, two in a row is not gonna, it's not gonna be good. Are you doing your resistance training twice per week? And lastly, this is not a behavior, but it's an outcome. Um, it's a disease. Is your is your BMI greater than twenty five? Okay. The people that are standing are gonna get their own microphones and they're gonna go on and give the rest of the lecture. The point the point here is that it's not it's not a competition, but we all have something to work on. And even the people that were still standing, we didn't get to other questions like, and how are your relationships? And, and, and you know, and, and how's, how's your, your meaning? Um, I would say trying to make a change will make you more empathic to your patients. It ain't easy. It's, it's just like, oh, God, you know, I thought, I thought that was a slam dunk. Role modeling has a profound effect. It's not going to eliminate burnout. It's going to help. Okay, you cannot, uh, I heard this at a AAMC conference, you can't yoga your way around a bad medical record system. But you can, you can, that was, they invented a verb. Um, and as I said, you won't address what you don't do. So we're back to the behaviors here. Um, I don't have like, you're kind of the, you can't do like a whole thing here, but I want you to think about something that you may simple in the next 24 hours as setting a goal for yourself. I also, I'll give you my email address at the end. I kid you not, you can like email me 
you know, if you if if and when you you've done something and you want to share it. Um, so as we go around the circle, these are some answers that I've gotten from other folks who said, all right, I heard that talk. I could try to do a little something. Under physical activity, what, it, what would it take to do a 10 to 15 minute walk? You know, for those of you that sat down for the resistance training, there's lots of weights around. And it doesn't have to be, you know, any kind of resistance. It doesn't matter. Your muscles are agnostic. Any kind of resistance training. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what you're wearing and whether you're using bands or fancy machines. But, you know, might you sign up for an exercise class? How many of you belong to a gym, have free personal, you know, uh, what do you call it, a, 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 a personal trainer session available on, you know? Um, as I found out from uh, talking to Mary and Kate from your, um, you guys are all eligible for health coaching as employees. How many of you have done that? How many of you might consider doing it at this point? You know, just like it's a free session. If you want more of it, you know, like make the appointment while you're here. What would it take for you to stand up every hour between patients or just, you know, because an alarm goes off? Uh, one of our conferences at Harvard, it's actually very funny. At the end of every talk, I tell people you should stretch good for your health, stand up. And like while you're standing, why don't you clap for the speaker? So every speaker gets a standing ovation. And, and even when they know that they've been, audience has been put up to it, they're still like, um, all right, so what would it take, all right, healthful eating, what would it take to drink a little more water today rather than reaching for, uh, you know, something other than water? Have your dessert, maybe the last part you don't need. Um, signing up for a cooking class, also available through culinary medicine. Uh, you can do it online. Um, sleep, 15 minutes will make a difference. This advice changed my life. I now set an alarm to go to bed. <laughs> Because otherwise, another email tonight. I gotta thank Dr. Lee. I gotta, you know, so I gotta, you know, I gotta. And then all of a sudden, 10 o'clock turns into 11, and then I'm, I'm too tired. Or your computer can start to get, get you know, darken, darken up as to remind you and to re reduce. Managing your stress, 10 minute walk, no phone. Schedule it. What would it take? Measured breathing. If those telomeres lengthen, what about 15 minutes twice a week? Nothing, just nothing. I don't care if you sleep. I don't care if you go for a walk. I don't just like just downtime. What you I mean, what I did at, at the VA, we have like yoga and Tai Chi classes. I, I just I, I finally scheduled it in because after giving another talk, I said I gotta do what I said. I scheduled it in. If you ask for an appointment with me on Fridays from twelve to twelve thirty, I go. I'm busy because I got my I got my Tai Chi class. Now, am I going today? No. I mean, there are, there are exceptions. Um, it's ironic like that talking about exercise like screws up my own exercise routine. But, um, you know, like what about scheduling it in? You know, could, could you do that? Uh, relationships. <laughs> Her mother's still alive. Would it take to <laughs> Emailing an old friend. Uh, another one that's changed my life, scheduling a date with my significant other. If you've got young kids and you're busy and you have two careers, it's it's kind of hard. Put it in the calendar. You'll schedule to you scheduled. To, you made your way here today, right? What if you got see me credits to go on a date? I mean, <laughs> um, let's work on that. Um, call for a medical appointment you've been putting off. How many of you here have a medical thing that you're supposed to do, but you know? Um, um, so whole health, let me, let me just talk about trainee education uh, because that's kind of one of my passions. I did bring along a vet. This gentleman um, is, I would describe him as very proud. A little portly maybe, being polite there, but we'll figure out why he's so proud. Guess what? You know, he's, he's, he's an executive, he goes to church, he walked to church, but then I find out when I talk to him, he doesn't actually go to church. Um, his BMI is too high, probably more than 31. You know, you can, you can read through the numbers. Has anyone ever seen this gentleman or his brethren? Has anyone made a career out of taking care of these? Okay. Um, suggestions for reducing his blood sugar. Exercise. Okay. Or, you know, we're going to... Suggestions for lowering his blood pressure. So we could do some medications here. For, you know, people used to shout out medications, but you got the idea here. We want to lower his cholesterol. We're up to like three medicines. Colon cancer, go get that, that uh, want to increase his energy, maintain his weight. A single treatment that will improve his, all of those things. Exercise. Exercise. And you can add in some other lifestyle things. 
but we show him the uh, circle of health, and then he has to decide where to start, because all of these things can impact on, on, on his, what he's presenting with. At the end, the entire system is seeking to shift towards whole health. So, and they're, 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 we're talking about a transformation. There is no whole health service. Everyone has to sound like a palliative care physician. <laughs> Everyone is asking about mission, aspiration, and purpose. And then when I write it down, you get to see it so you can continue the conversation. So that's what we're, that's what we're about. Um, it, we're trying to empower and equip the patients. And once again, this is freely available beyond the VA. Um, and we want people to live their life to the fullest. It expands what we consider to be our jobs as physicians and, and healthcare providers. Um, it's actually in the strategic plan. This is a big deal because this is what dictates what, what happens in the nation's largest integrated healthcare system. It's personalized by definition. It's proactive. We're trying to get there before the problems do. And it's patient-driven. Um, and again, we're trying to defer or defer preventable health conditions. Because there's a, the VA is interesting because we might actually be able to save some of the money by uh, forestalling costs because people are getting healthier. Um, so again, we, and I did not make that up. What's the matter with you? No, it's, you know, what matters to you? Changing the entire mission there. You've heard that. It's spreading across the country. Boston is one of the flagships, and we're up here right on the Connecticut River, um, right across the River White River Junction, and its affiliates is, is rolling out uh, whole health. Um, this is no longer just an idea. We looked at, this is really early data, not yet published. We looked at veterans who were exposed to just like two touches of whole health, which meant that Dr. Lee mentioned it, and then like I mentioned it, or one of them, he mentioned it, and they got a yoga class, and their pharmacy costs start to come down in the first 12 months, right? They're, they're, they were reaching for their, their yoga pants, not their, their opiates. Um, even more impactful, we looked at, this is 193,000 vets. The numbers are just enormous when you're, when you're collecting it. And over the first 12 months, two whole health touches, their outpatient costs of care are starting to come down. These are, these are avoided costs. And then this next one, these are alumni. So last year, they were exposed to whole health. Now we're going out 31 months, and their costs of care continue to come down. I can tell you what this looks like. The guy sitting in my about his back and is asking for his fourth MRI. That's kind of my world. And I'm saying, like, I don't know if it's going to show any different, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's like, you know, I'm working on that core thing. You know, like I, like I told him that if he could hold a plank for 30 seconds, he wouldn't have back pain, and he's up to 22 seconds. Like, that's the conversation. Not do I need another, um, uh, you know, do I need another MRI? So we've got almost 7 million vets almost 400,000 employees, and there's 122,000 trainees. Um, so we want this to be the place that if you haven't gotten it in your home program, that when you come to the VA, you at least understand that your self-care matters, listening to your patients, asking them about their mission, aspiration, and purpose matters, and that's my charge. Um, this is in concert with, like, the ACGME, who actually mandates now that the well-being of residents uh, be addressed. So the residents and fellows of the room, is that, is that happening here? No one else is watching us here in the back. <laughs> is your well-being being addressed? This is a common program requirement across the country for, for every, uh, event, every trainee. And I gave you the, <clears throat> the chapter and verse, verse here about burnout and depression, emotional and psychological well-being needs to be addressed. Self-care is important, but you don't have to read through all of this, but if I have, you have all the slides here, um, you get down to uh, uh, protecting your ability to take care of yourself. If you're a, a, a trainee and you need to go see the doctor, we need to let you go see the doctor. It's not about um, just toughing it out. Uh, Stuart Slavin has the best job title in American medicine, Senior Scholar for Well-Being. I mean, I got a great job with this one, just killer. Okay. Um, and, and, and he's rolled out a 90-minute webinar. I'm oh, sorry, not even a webinar. We show you videos about metacognition, like how you think about yourself and how your perfectionism and negativism and cynicism 
may be kind of bringing you down. It's interesting because the challenge is we can't invent time. You know, just telling a you know a resident to go to a yoga class doesn't really like sit right. But how you perceive what's going on can be changed relatively quickly. So we're rolling this out, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. And you get to actually kind of rate yourself on a visual analog scale. My favorite one, I'll just explain, is the Stanford Duck. Has anyone ever heard of this? Yeah. You look like a calm kind of guy. You know, everything's good. He's smiling and all that. The duck just sort of floats across the water. Underneath the water, just churning like crazy to, and, and that's, you know, is that is that the, your persona? You know, is everything cool, but your, your, your legs are going as quickly as possible? That fits you like, Maybe we could slow this down a little bit. Maybe we could catch the current rather than um, maladaptive perfectionism. Hello? You know, how much do you feel like an imposter? These are the kind of questions that we're asking. Um, within uh, the VA in Boston, uh, we have a grant with uh, uh, Yale Medical School Griffin Hospital. Residents come to us and have a two-week immersion in lifestyle medicine, and we've published on this. Here we go. Um, we... Uh, Two weeks is a long time. Now we're working with PA students. Um, we're wonderful, and they're learning basically food, movement, self-care, and, uh, and again, the coaching they're exposed to. Um, we're developing a mini residency, just because they told us the residents only have four hours. Okay, so we'll do, we'll do the personal whole, uh, whole health inventory with you. Uh, my life, my story, I, I, I talked about before, where we, we do the... Um, the trainees elicit the story of their of their um, patients. They interview. They write. They read back. They and it goes. The CPRS is our medical record system. Very impactful. If you go to the website, which I'll give you, it's been written up in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, uh, or, or, or the National Public Radio, rather. Um, it's also gone beyond the VA. Um, at least this is in Boston where we're pushing it. And you could, you know, I can give you the website. There's a facilitator guide and a video on how to do it. Um, we also, when we start our meetings, we read one of the stories, which is actually very sweet because it reminds you of like why you decided to become a healthcare, you know, uh, uh, why you decided to take care of people. It takes three three minutes to read the story to a group, and then it sort of sets the tone. So my key points to to finish up and then take your questions or do some exercise with you. Lifestyle medicine is happening. It's addressing the issues. Whole health is something that's available uh, at the VA and beyond. Professional trainees need to be exposed to this, and we can do some more. Um, oh, he's back. He's still smiling at us. What, you know, what, what is he so proud about? Um, like zero in on his belt there. Okay, this gentleman uh, had gone on for about uh, 76 years of what he describes in a, a beautiful piece, gluttony. I will eat what I want, when I want, as much as I want. After he had his stroke and he recovered well, he did a little thought experiment. Just a little curiosity. What if I gave up gluttony? What if I ate what I need rather than what I want? Well, what happened? Well, you know, the, the gluttony started around here, and then he was around here. Okay, and I only met him around here, so I, so I can't like take credit for all of this. You might also wonder, like, why he doesn't just buy a new belt. But um, he actually has great joy in, in punching another hole. And just one last little tiny story. He actually, like, wanted to give me his belt. Oh, how sweet. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, my, oh my God, I'm a federal employee. I'm not supposed to accept gifts. It's like, you know, I'm looking at it, but it's worth it's less than $10. Maybe it's okay. And then, and then he, it was, like, on the desk, and then he... he he kind of looked, and he looked at the belt, looked at me, and I thought, what's going on? He goes, I'm not done yet, and he takes the belt back. Uh, so um, has he, did he gain back two inches when his wife became ill? Yeah. But he knows that he's still, like, eight inches down, and he knows that, you know, that he's, he's made it that far, and, he, and he's got some room to spare. Um, so uh, I think I nailed that, and I'm going to ask you, you know, obviously counsel your patients in a more informed way about their health behaviors, um, those are, that's a reference for the, all well, the whole health material. That's my address at Mass General, and I think we're done. Oh, we do run a conference in Boston. It's not that far. Um, and Paulina, you've been there, and other, other folks have been there. We'd love to have a nice contingent. It's really from, great, honestly. From, from the Upper Valley. Um, 
And that's it. I'll, I'll leave my address up there. Time for questions, exercise, whatever. You mentioned so many great things that I'm not going to remember all of. Yeah, you could have a slide deck. Yeah. Slides. Thank you. Yes. Yes, so, Dr. Ruff. So I have a question for you. On NPR the other day, they were talking about that actually humans probably need biphasic sleep. And they were looking at the issue of siestas that have gone away in countries yeah, huh? that had siestas and the life impact of that, the health impact of that. Um, and I'm just wondering what your attitude is about napping in the day, during the day. You know, we're talking about yeah, getting so I, sleep, all right. but where the evidence is and what the opinions are. So, so let me... So it was a great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm not a sleep expert, but I've you know, yeah, certainly yeah. You know, heard the stories. I, the, the, my, my take home from it, and I've, I've experimented in this, is that if you feel rested, you know, and, and like if, if it's one thing to collapse into a nap because I, I got short sleep the night before. Um, I've got lots of patients who, you know, that's that's their habit. They do this. They do the siesta, and they're they're good before. They're good after. I, I don't I don't have like more informed yeah uh, more informed scientific opinion. What was interesting on it is that we tend to blame the eating, and then it makes you sleepy. But what they actually showed with brainwave studies was that you have a tendency for slowing your brain activity, whether you ate or not. They actually did the study where they didn't feed people, and and just I just wonder if we've gone away from a. Uh, human evolutionary sort of thing that that bothers our. Well, there's a lot. Um, the things that you could more like. Well, <laughs> you probably could sneak in a like a very quick nap. I mean, and if you yeah. decide to meditate in the afternoon and you fall asleep, maybe that's what you need. That's um. Yes, yes, sir. Great presentation. Uh, I'm I'm new here, and I am the uh, medical director for uh, occupational environmental medicine and the Live Well Work Well program we have here. I want to make a couple of comments because I've been involved in a few things. Yeah. One is the well-being survey is coming December first for all the residents, so we've been we've been working on that. And um, the other thing for residents, uh, and I think they know that you may need to know that all new residents who come in are offered an appointment with the EAP, yeah. but can decline. Uh, so that is another important way in which we try to address their well-being. Um, and for will it well work well for everybody who, sh who knows that they're eligible, we only have about 28% participation. That means they signed up. Yep. Only about half of those are active participants. There's going to be a question coming. Yep, yep. So I looked at our Manage Well app, and there is something for everybody there. It is the most excellent program, and I'm only here three months, so I'm looking at it from the outside, that I've ever seen. In addition to having primary care directed toward our employees where they our, our providers understand the workplace and can address some of the stress issues two of them are right there and um, the question is we can't force people to participate but listening to your lifestyle presentation how do we get more of our population your employee population. our employee population that's the important piece here because Dartmouth has an initiative to, to make the community healthy, but we can't do that until we are healthy because it also affects the way we take care of our patients. Can you help us? So, um, so great question. So first off, you guys have the bones for like an amazing organization. And this thing about the EAP, like we're using it proactively, I've never heard of elsewhere. I think it's brilliant and it's so simple. Otherwise, EAP is just like, like I, I only heard, know the word EAP complaint. Like you know, that's that's when I when I hear that as a manager or supervisor. Um, so one charge is what we're trying to do at the VA is is transforming the culture, and and even you speaking up has a you know has an impact. How do you measure it? You know, we we don't know. Um, that's it's a hard thing to measure. Um, there uh, there's. A whole world of wellness, workplace wellness, with that, that claims all sorts of um, you know re return on investment and all that. Um, one of the more clever ones I saw was a 50-50 program where uh, you know yes the the class was like an hour long. You took your lunch, your half hour lunch, and then the employer gave you the third you know the extra time. Like the class started at 4:30 and you got the last half hour off, and but you had to stay till 5:30. 
Um, I think stories of success, you know, like you know, recording the champions, getting the families involved from the community. You know, you're, you're, you're doing it. And there's some other ideas here. Is, are there other answers to this? Or? Could you talk about... Oh, well, the, any other answers to... Oh, I'm sorry, hold on one second. We'll just do that. What else would you guys want to see in order to be beyond the 28% that, that signed up? Yes? I'd be interested to know the data around when the incentives were taken away. So that's a great question. I'm looking into that, and I'm looking to find a way to get the incentives back because you put the sense in yeah, incentivized. That, that's that's more for actually practice, you know. So cash incentives to change behavior, the literature is not very strong for it. It's like an extrinsic motivator, um, you know. Finding your purpose and is is going to be much better. Um, you know, changing the culture is going to be better. Um, which we could talk about. Uh, money towards your health savings account. Yeah, yeah. Or RVUs. Oh. Maybe RVUs. There you go. We're getting RVUs for going out for a date with your wife. Or a <laughs> <laughs> um, there, the other, the, other, the other thing, the, the other thing is that so when we have the, the when we train the residents and the PAs, we have the, right, this whole long program. Probably the most impactful thing are two 20-minute coaching sessions. Just done. Like, like I, I, I got it. I got some feedback. My, I'm on a different trajectory. So I would invite anyone. And it doesn't. It just doesn't take that long. You can do it over the phone. Yes. Um, so I'm a dietitian. Who's, I'm an outpatient dietitian. Um, so I like to think my job is pretty much lifestyle yes, yes. And so I often ask people after talking about goals and things like, how confident are you on a scale of one to ten that you could reach this goal? Yep. And they'll tell me somewhere between five and seven. Yep. So my next question is, what can you do to make it a ten? Um, and they say, just doing it. So what, in terms of like accountability, that's what most people I find struggle with is you can tell them, you know, have more water, have more fruits and veggies, like do these goals, five minutes of walking, five minutes of whatever, stand up for 10 minutes. But how do you actually like, you know, for them actually doing it, physically doing it? What do you, what do you think? About um, so first off, in the world of motivational interviewing, after they said their, their confidence is a five, the, the next question is often, why isn't it a three? And then they and then they, they talk about, well, because I've done it before. Like they give you all the strengths rather than going to a ten, and then they feel like they've been defeated. Um, if what they need is accountability, then you could provide it. There's apps that do that. There's coaching can can do that. Um, they could be in a group, you know, that they're reporting. And if that's what they need, if they just need to achieve something, and then they feel better. Um, the, you know, the heart of it, and we, I keep on talking about coaching, which has become like its own profession, I think is, is, is key. And you guys have that here. I, I'm just going to take one question because I cut you off before. Could you talk something about socioeconomic status? People who are too poor, they cannot eat the right food because they can't afford it. They can't go to the gym because they're too busy working. How can we relate to this situation without being condescending yep. and providing the care with a sense of understanding and provide some way that people can get the aid <clears throat> to, be, to afford to do these things? So the, everyone heard the question. So first off, broadening the, the circle to, to find out what matters to that person. And I've got patients who are like working in downtown Boston that like I, I naively would say, like, go for a walk after dinner, and they were like, Doc, that's a death sentence. Like, you know, you're going to be responsible because I'll, I'll, get, I'll get mugged. Um, and yet, when I start to ask, you know, like, what, you know, what really matters, it's about family and friends, and, um, um, and then you, you talk about, like, how to connect with them more. I mean, so, uh, and, and it may be um, aligning with their, with their purpose. To be concrete about what you're talking about, there are programs like downtown Boston where you write a, a prescription for the fruits and vegetables that people get from a from a farm stand. There's um, prescriptions for the shared bikes. I, th I think I even saw them driving over here this morning. Where instead of me paying 85 bucks, they get it for five bucks for for the year. Um, I've got patients who were uh, they may be poor, but they've got a cell phone. And they're and they're doing um, a class, you know, a workout in their in their room, you know, with with other people. Um, 
there's, uh, when you look at medical centers like Boston Medical Center, Cambridge Health Alliance, the ones that I know that are kind of the, the, um, the safety net hospitals, they have things that are available. Um, the other thing is tweaking, you know, there's also studies that show that with a little bit of knowledge, you can tweak your, your diet and not be spending any more money. Like, like beans are really, really healthy and they just don't cost a lot. So just sort of, you know, tweak it. And even if you live in a food desert, you can get 10 pounds of beans and, and be good for a while. So there are some answers. The challenge, in, as we said, like the biggest thing is socioeconomic uh, pieces and being in a culture where that might not be, you know, what everyone else is doing. There's no, there's no, there's no easy answer, but there, there's ways of making progress. I'm available to stick around after, but I think you guys got to go. Thank you so much.